The term kamikaze is most commonly associated with a specific type of suicide attack carried out by Japanese pilots during World War II. But did you know that the term has historical roots in the context of two attempted Mongol invasions of Japan in 1274 and 1281? I am your host, Peter Zablocki, and this is History Shorts. The word kamikaze first gained world notoriety in mid-1944 when the Empire of Japan began sending their young pilots on suicide missions against American naval ships in the Pacific. The kamikaze attacks had a significant psychological impact on Allied forces. The willingness of Japanese pilots to sacrifice themselves for the cause created a sense of fear and unease among the Allied sailors. The term kamikaze translates into divine wind, and by the time of the Second World War, it was already a powerful symbol of destruction of enemy invaders. In fact, the Japanese coined the term in the 13th century, way before the invention of airplanes with which it became synonymous. To their enemies, the Mongols were the devil's horsemen, the ugliest, filthiest barbarians that ever lived. Yet none of that stopped the nomadic and pastoral people from the Central Asian grasslands from amassing a vast empire. Between 1200 and 1350 AD, the Mongols conquered lands from the Pacific Ocean to the Adriatic Sea. By the late 13th century, Kublai Khan, the grandson of Genghis, controlled the largest empire in the world, encompassing Russia, the Middle East, Central Asia, and China. Kublai Khan having established the Yuan dynasty in China, sought to extend Mongol influence further eastward. Japan, under the leadership of the Kamakura shogunate, became a target for expansion. In 1268, he demanded that Japan become a vassal state and pay tribute to the Mongol Empire. When the Japanese shogunate refused, the stage was set for a military confrontation. In 1274, Kublai Khan dispatched a formidable fleet consisting of Chinese, Korean, and Mongol forces to invade Japan. The Mongols had a numerical advantage, and their forces quickly captured the islands of Tsushima and Iki, making their way toward the Japanese mainland. It only took a few hours into the invasion to uncover the Japanese weakness. The samurai proved no match for the advanced weapons and tactics of the conquering Mongols. Khan's army came ashore to the sound of drums, bells, and war cries, which frightened the Japanese horses, causing disarray among the Japanese ranks. Furthermore, just as the samurai archers, used to fighting in individual combat and not against huge armies, began aiming their arrows, they were showered by thousands of Mongol gunpowder bombs and projectiles. And just when it seemed Japan would fall on the first day of the invasion, a powerful typhoon struck the area of their fleet's anchorage in Hakata Bay. The typhoon wrecked havoc on the Mongol fleet, sinking many ships, scattering the invasion force that had not yet disembarked from the ships, and stranding those that had, leaving them with no provisions. The typhoon's impact on the Mongol fleet was decisive. Many Mongol soldiers and sailors perished, and the surviving forces were unable to continue the invasion. The Japanese, interpreting this natural disaster as a divine intervention, dubbed it the Kamikaze, or Divine Wind. According to Japanese belief, the gods had protected Japan from foreign invaders, and the idea that Japan was a divinely protected land became ingrained in the national consciousness. Not to be deterred, Kublai Khan attempted another invasion seven years later. This time, the Great Khan sent two fleets carrying a total of 150,000 warriors in history's largest seaborne invasion force until World War II. The Japanese, having experienced the divine intervention of the kamikaze in the first invasion, faced the Mongol forces with a combination of military preparedness and the hope for supernatural assistance. 
For weeks prior to the Mongols approaching their shores, Japanese religious leaders led people in public prayers for divine interference and deliverance from evil. Militarily, in anticipation of the renewed Mongol threat, the Japanese shogunate took extensive defensive measures. Coastal defenses were reinforced and the samurai were mobilized for a potential evasion. Once the invasion began, it did not take long for the Mongols to find initial success, and although things seemed to go smoothly for the first couple of weeks, the Mongols' push soon found itself in trouble due to logistical issues and moving troops and material further inland. It was decided to return the armies to the fleet, regroup, and then launch a renewed assault on a different position. By then, the Japanese warriors had held off Khan's forces for 53 days. But if the Mongols were allowed to regroup, the shogunate could no longer guarantee a Japanese victory. And then, to the surprise of both armies, the tired and spent Japanese and the invigorated Mongols, many of whom were back on their ships having regrouped for an impending attack, a typhoon of gigantic proportions struck the Sea of Japan once again. The Mongol ships had been chained together close to shore to form a flotilla, making it difficult if not impossible for them to escape to deeper water. Hundreds of them, all with soldiers on board, smashed to bits against the shore. Those still on land were promptly dispatched by the equally stunned but ready to pounce on the opportunity to inflict further damage Japanese warriors. By the time the storm cleared, only one-third of the 150,000 strong Mongol army escaped death. The Japanese credited the typhoon once again as the kamikaze or divine wind that had saved them from the Mongol threat. This belief in divine intervention would now forever become deeply ingrained in Japanese culture and history. Many people have since forgotten that the kamikaze strategy of World War II that they think of when hearing the word was directly linked to the historical concept of divine intervention established during the Mongol invasions of the 13th century. The pilots were expected to embody the spirit of the kamikaze, sacrificing themselves for the greater cause of defending Japan. Two typhoons in the 1200s showed them it was divinely the right thing to do. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out History Shorts on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your shows. You can also visit HistoryShortsPodcast.com.